Hello and welcome to the Retroscripts Fireside Stories Human Library. Uh, as I said in my previous episode, with this video podcast, I'm looking to improve connection and storytelling, not only in my immediate community, but worldwide. Um, I'm one of those people who believe that one of the problems as a human race and a group of people is that we have social media platforms where we quite often put all little snippets and highlight the exciting parts of our lives, but we don't really take the time to dive deeper and listen to each other's stories or find the connections that actually tie us together. Um, for me, the human journey is made up of layers and layers and who you are, it's just layers and layers like an onion or Shrek. Um, what I wanna do is get to know who you are underneath it all. So my goal is to reconnect, get you to slow down and almost travel back in time to a time when humans actually sat around a fire and shared their best, exciting, worst, scary stories verbally, and then passed it on as legacies. So today I am enjoying a black tea with honey and cashew milk. Um, it was my first time trying this mix and it's actually pretty good, even though it sounds kind of interesting. My guest today is Allie Plato, and Allie enjoys hot apple cider, and her favorite quote is, everything will be okay in the end, and if it's not okay, then it's not the end. And honestly, that truly means so much to me because there's so many times when I've hit my rock bottoms or close to it, and I'm like, this is it, it's over. And then I realized, no, this isn't the end. My story has to go on, and there's still more that I want to do and I want to tell, and it kind of pushes me for it. Um, I've known Allie for a couple of years now. I won't say how many because I know she's going to correct me and I have no idea how long it's been, but she's been a source of inspiration to me because I thought that I had this horrible kind of backstory and I had a lot of trials and then I met Allie and I was like, okay, girl, <laughs> you take the cake. You've had so much happen to you, but I would never have known it because she has this kind of quirky, spunky personality, and this way of making me see things in myself that I can't see. So Allie, why don't you take an opportunity and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what makes you you? Um, so kind of like the backstory here, we'll just dive right on in. Okay. Um, so I'm Allie, I'm 32 years old, and I've known Kim for probably about four years now, I would say. There it is. <laughs> I had to think about it too, so don't worry. Yeah. Um, and so I guess kind of like my story and like where Kim met me was already at like not a great place. So I got married um, when I was 27. And knowing that my partner at the time, maybe I was 26, uh, 26, 27, knowing that my partner at the time had brain cancer. And um, I don't really want to go into a lot of details about it just because it's not a, you know, a good situation. But basically, he got sick, he passed away. Um, it was not a good situation with me and them and um, some legal stuff followed afterwards and it was really a mess not a good <laughs> it was really bad um so after the legal stuff about a month after the legal stuff um and what I can kind of go into a little bit more detail about is um 
some people may have heard about it a couple summers ago, so two summers ago, um, my dad and my stepmom were murdered. Um, they were uh, they were set on fire and their house were set on fire by my stepbrother. And uh, that was that was a pretty, pretty awful time going through that as well. And that was about a month after all the stuff had just finished up with my marriage. So it's been probably about four years of just just slogging through it, just going <laughs> through it. And then recently, I left my three-year relationship. We had a house together. We had a life together. And I just realized that we wanted different stuff. And we've parted ways. And yeah, so a lot of changes. <laughs> and yet you keep smiling. <laughs> That's what blows Definitely. I'm actually, I can say I'm really happy. I'm really happy that I'm here. I'm happy that I'm in my own place. You know, I definitely went through a lot of stress, a lot of like anguish and that mental stress of, am I making the right decisions? Am I making the right choices? And at the end of the day, I feel that I've made the right choice. I'm super happy with where I'm at and what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm being a lot more authentic to me. So for me, I'm, I'm happy with my choices. Um, but I would say that is probably a large part in my upbringing, mm -hmm. but also like my personality. So my mom was an HR director. So like I know all the Myers-Briggs personality types and stuff like that. So I'm an ENFP, which means I am your adventure party girl. That is my personality. If you want to go on an adventure, if you're like, hey, you want to go to like Quebec today? I'm like, sure, let's go. <laughs> you know like, I'm there so I think that has a large part of you know that what's my next adventure you know even in my darkest most awful moment you know my brain is on that yeah but what if there is something next what if that next big exciting thing is right around the corner and if you're not here like if you you know you know, you're going to miss it. Yeah. And there were definitely times that, you know, I'm driving along the highway thinking I could just run into that underpass, that bridge underpass and all of this pain, all of this awfulness stops, gone. Don't have to deal with it anymore. But, you know, what, what about that thing I'm going to miss, you mm -hmm. know, and that really kept me going and then on the flip side I think you know my upbringing my parents raised me that hard work builds character you know going through those tough times getting up at five in the morning having to walk across town to get to my job at Tim Hortons that one summer and I was so mad about it I was like just let me have the car no you can walk it builds character I'm like you know what sure as shit it did you know, definitely think that it made me more resilient for the stuff that was going to come in my future. And, you know, that's one of the things that I absolutely love about you. Um, first of all, it's partially that I can send you anything and I don't have to edit myself. I don't have to put on like this fake face. I can message you at my worst and I can message you at my best and like you just take it. And I don't know how you do it, but 
when I message you at my worst sometimes, you make me smile and I'm like, I don't want to smile. And it's like that inner fight and you give in at the end and you're happy. But it's amazing to me that you're able to see past the shit that's happened to you. And you're like, but there's always tomorrow. There's something coming. I don't want to miss that stuff. And it's such an interesting way to think. And I love that you brought up driving on the highway and that option of just kind of veering off and seeing where that takes you. Um, because a lot of people don't talk about that feeling and that almost urge, but it's an urge that a lot of us actually encounter and have. And yes, I thought, yeah, and I think we may have talked about this before, but I thought I literally was the only person in the world that felt that sometimes and felt like when I'm looking over the, going for a hike, looking over the escarpment, oh, I'm having a really bad day, I could jump. I thought that was <laughs> only me. And it, when you told me that you also experienced it, I started hearing other people in the world saying something similar and telling their stories. So I was like, oh my God, I'm not a weirdo. Well, I am, but I'm not like that. You know what I mean? So there's other people like that out, out there like me. So without further ado, would you like to jump into your story and what you'd like to share with us? Um, sure. Actually, I was kind of just like going into it already. A lot of the stuff that like I wanted to talk about today is that kind of um, about how sadness, I guess, is so isolating. You know what I mean? Like when we feel sad, when we feel grief, we feel like we're the only ones experiencing it. In which, which is kind of why I think when we hear about someone going through trauma, we're so fascinated with it. We're so interested. And it was kind of interesting last night, my friend was over and she said, she heard a quote that um, you don't really know who your friends are in the bad times. You know, when you're who your friends are in the good times, because everyone loves tragedy. You know, it's seeing who your friends are, if they're happy when you're happy. You know what I mean? Sometimes people will disappear as soon as you're happy because they're like, oh, you're not interesting anymore. And I think it's because it's something that's not talked about. Trauma, you know, stress, grief, sadness is not talked about a whole lot in society. Or if it is, it's very much in like, a, oh, that's nice, put it away. Yeah. Kind of way. You know what I mean? It's not this thing that's left out. You know, we just sit with the feelings of discomfort. It's hurry up, put it away, get better so you can move on, yeah. you know? And I'm definitely guilty of that myself of, you know, you put on the mask, the everything is okay mask. And you're like, well, I'm just going to get through it. I'm just going to keep going. Cause you know, what else am I going to do? No one wants to hear it. You know what I mean? I definitely do. And it's such a isolating experience that like, we really do feel that like we're so alone and we're the only ones going through it. And so that option of like, I could jump off a cliff. I could, you know, run into a side thing. That becomes a real, a real thought right there. You know what I mean? That real kind of like that urge to do it because yeah, we feel alone. You know what I mean? We don't feel like there's someone else out there who's experiencing something that we're experiencing. Definitely, definitely. It's so important to share that as well. And I know like, as I said, we talked so often, but when I'm in that moment and I'm in that low point, a lot of the times I shut my doors because I'm like, nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear this. And it's almost like people want to hear it because they want to see my pain, 
But then when you find that person who wants to hear, not to hear your pain, but because they just want to hear and allow you the space to share. Um, I know a lot of people think that they do that, but I've never met anyone, I guess, like you, who's gone through so much. So you actually do allow people and allow me, especially just to share my pain and say it. And you almost like say, okay, it is, it's happening. That's all there is to it. You don't fix it. You're not really like validating me. You're just, it is. And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. And it's almost like a weight's lifted off because it's out there. I've said what I need to say and just let it be. So that's super cool. Definitely talking about it so it's not trapped. You know what I mean? I always picture it like the that video game Pong where it's like hanging around inside of me and I'm like, I need to just get it out. Yeah. And then I can feel better when I verbalized it because in my head, it'll just spin and spin and spin and spin and spin. But somehow hearing the words come out of my mouth, I can sort my thoughts out then, you know what I mean? And then I can really understand how I'm feeling. I'm that crazy person that I'm driving in the car, having that conversation out loud to myself, because that's how I'm gonna process my feelings is <laughs> hearing it said out loud. <laughs> and just like, all right, what are we doing? Why are we feeling this way? What's up, you know? And it's, I remember having a therapist say that it's often those first things that come to mind. That's really what it is. You know, I think we have sometimes a tendency to overthink our feelings and not trust our brains. And sometimes what your brain is thinking and you're like, why am I feeling this way? And it goes, because of this. And you're like, ah, no, not because of that. Probably is because of that. You know what I mean? Like, and it just seems like such a simple, silly thing. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's that. Yeah. But um, I mean, I had, oh God, my mom would kill me if she heard me say this. My mom, <laughs> I love her. She's a great yeah. mom. I love her. Yeah. But like at one point when I was going through everything with like my, uh, my husband and stuff at the time, um, my mom just said like on the phone, why don't you ever have anything happy to talk about? You know, she's like, every time I talk to you, like, you just don't ever have anything fun to say or like good things or happy things. Like, it's just really hard to talk to you. And so like, I was like, oh my God. You know, we had a lot of conversations after that when I was in a better place to say like, that's not okay to say to someone. Like, you can't say that when someone's going through it because that's just so encouraging to just, shut down, put the mask on, you know, okay, let me just be happy for you. Let me just perform however you want me to perform and I will go home and cry later, you know? And it became such a private shame for me, my guilt that um, I couldn't cry in front of other people for a very long time. Only like now, after like four years, can I cry in front of other people? But like even even like when my dad passed away in the hospital, I couldn't cry. It wasn't until I got home and I was in the privacy of a shower that I could like really, really cry. And I'll go for car rides and I'll cry sometimes because that's the only way that I feel that I can cry because it became such a thing that no one wants to see it. No one wants to hear it. Just keep that to yourself. You're bothering people. Mm -hmm. um, so I've really made, a big effort 
to not do that anymore and just let my feelings be my feelings. If I'm upset, I'm going to be upset. If I'm happy, I'm going to be happy. And I know it sounds really stupid because, you know, people are like, well, that's nice that you, you know, just decided that. But I think after everything I've been through, I just, I'm tired. I'm tired of fake holding it all in. I'm tired of it. And I think eventually most people reach that point where they don't give a shit and they're tired too. And, you know, that's, that's how I think it kind of goes sometimes. It's big though to say like, it is exhausting and it's way more exhausting to almost play this part and constantly be in character. Yes, of for sure. And we miss out on the best parts of you. Yes, absolutely. You know, you're not fully you. Mm-hmm. You're like, if the spectrum of your feelings is like one to 10, you're giving like a four to an eight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's what people can see is that four to eight. You never get too low, but you never get too high. And you're just kind of in that like me stage. You know what I mean? Yep. And it kind of sucks. Cause yeah, like you do your lowest lows by yourself and that's really hard. Um, and I will say that like trauma and stuff absolutely changes who you are. And I don't know if a lot of people are aware of the neurological changes that happen when you experience a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, for probably about six, seven months, so half a year, I experienced huge brain fog after my ex-husband or late husband, I don't know, whatever you want to call him. Um, like it was, I couldn't remember anything. If you talked to me and told me something two seconds later, I couldn't tell you what it was. I was tired so easily. I'd be trying to do work at, at work. And I was like, I had to go tell my mom, I have to go home. Like I can't get anything done. I can't get through the fog, the sludge inside my head. I literally just can't do it. And it was so interesting to see it come back after my dad had passed away and trying to, again, just get through stuff because it doesn't hit right away. I found it kind of came on about four months after the trauma. Some people probably experience it sooner, some later, but it wasn't immediate, but it was so difficult and it was hard to be happy. It was hard to get that serotonin. It was hard to, you know, boost yourself back up because you're just tired. You're so tired exerting so much mental energy into just remembering what you're supposed to be doing. Where am I driving? Where am I going? Shit, what would I need from groceries? Um, Oh, I was supposed to meet someone. Oh my God, you know, and that's your day is just forgetting. And then suddenly it's bedtime and you're like, what, where did my day go? You know, and it's, I don't think a lot of people talk about that it takes time to rewire the neural pathways in your brain when you're missing that serotonin, you've got high levels of cortisol, and you're just stuck in these obsessive thoughts, perhaps about what happened. Um, You're just making it through, you kind of shut down everything else, you're in survival mode, and your brain changes to survival mode. So you now have to rewire by having those happy, loving experiences back to your normal self. It's so interesting how I can obviously tell that you've 
gone the introspective route and you've almost like looked at all the different things that you've gone through and obviously thought about why you're going through it. And it's almost like your brain, when you had that fog was like protecting yourself in a way, like you needed to heal and you needed that time. And like, you know, we grow sleeping and we kind of figured things out. You needed that time to just shut down a bit. And it's understandable why you would need that time. Did you find it was easier the second time around? And like, it's so sad that there was a second time, but did you kind of know what to expect a little more? I would say so. Um, it wasn't as long of a period. Cause like I said, the first time was about six or seven months worth of brain fog. It was exhausting. Um, and this time I would say it was maybe only about like three, three, four months. Um, but this time I did have more depression. So I did end up having to go on um, an antidepressant this time around because it was just the accumulation of things. It was just too much for my poor little brain to handle. Um, and I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't really think for me personally, I don't give a shit if there's a stigma around it. I don't give a shit. When you've gone through what I've gone through, Lord knows you could use a little chemical help. You know what I mean? So <laughs> um, I think that's really benefited, but I'm on like the lowest dosage you can be on. So, you know, I would rather have a little bit of help, have a little bit of therapy and just move forward that way. That's what works for me. Is that what works for everyone? Hell no. There are so many different variations that people can play around with. And some people need more, some people need less. Like I said, I think my personality and my upbringing plays a large part into why I don't need high doses. But if I did, I would. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anything wrong with it whatsoever. And, you know, trauma is trauma, you know? just because I've been through all this, it's not to say that someone who's just, you know, had a really big fight or something like that, I would never look at them and go, oh, well, you know, have you been through what I've been through? Yep. You know, I don't think suffering to a certain extent is not comparative. You know what I mean? When we get into larger societal issues, sure. But on that, you know, personal to personal human level, it's all kind of relative, you know, mm-hmm. until you've experienced that next big thing, that big trauma, all you know is that's the 10, you know what I mean? So I would never look at someone who's, you know, struggling with their marriage or something and be like, oh, well, it could be worse, you know, that's a real, just that's a real shit thing to do, <laughs> I would say in general, that's a, but so many people do it. So many people go, oh, it could be worse. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Right. That, and I know this is probably not for everybody, but just when you are at a wake or something, if you don't know the person's religious, just don't say anything about religion. Like it was really difficult because I'm not religious and it was, I know people meant well, just disclaimer. I know people meant well. But hearing that, you know, my dad was murdered because it was part of God's plan was really, really aggravating. And I was very polite about it. I kept it very cool. 
but inside I was boiling and it was like the last thing I wanted to hear was that someone had decided that this was a good thing, you know, that this was supposed to happen. And I was like, no, (laughs) hell no. So when you're at a funeral, just don't even like say anything about you know oh well you know I'm sure it'll get better just be like wow like I I don't even know what to say you know this is awful I'm so sorry you know you don't have to fix it you don't have to find the words to make them feel better just commiserate with them that's what people often want is someone who's going to commiserate and validate their feelings right so yeah like Oh my, like, I can't imagine what you're going through right now. I would be devastated. And I'm sure that's how you're feeling. Yes, that's how I'm feeling. I feel horrific. Thank you. Thank you for understanding and being, I'm not going to take too much of your time. I'm sure everyone said it, but if you need anything, I'm here for you. Oh, I got a fluff. (laughs) (laughs) See, it just floating right there. (laughs) Um, And that's, you know, that's what you should say to people is validating and being in that down place with them, not coming in with your cheer and your good words and like, let me fix, let me do things for you. They have people in their lives that will do that for them. If you can be that person that is sad with them, that's something that people need. You know, everyone's there in the good times, but be sad with people. It's a a totally normal, healthy feeling. Crying is normal. It's healthy. We cry when we're happy. We cry when we're sad. You laugh too much. You cry. Like it's the normal thing your body does. And just think, you know, let people have their feelings. Let people be upset. Don't try and rush them to feel better. And it takes time. Everybody's different, like you said. And I love, 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 love that you said trauma is trauma. And there's no, this one's person, this one, because that's what kept me a lot from telling my story to anybody and telling my different parts of my story and what happened, because I always looked at people and was like, that person's got it worse, or that person had this happen to them. And I didn't want to be either topping or making them feel like they had to take care of me when their story was worse. So trauma is trauma, definitely. And I love also that you spoke about how people react to your trauma and what you're going through. Um, I feel like I can copy and paste the things that they said to you at the funerals and just bring it into regular life because everybody wants to help. And I think as humans, we may all, like everyone says some people are fixers. We're all fixers to some degree. We want it to go back to normal and we want everything to be okay because it's uncomfortable when it's not. But I feel like we all need to be uncomfortable sometimes. You need to step outside your boundaries. And imagining being at the funeral with you, if I'm uncomfortable, well, hell, like what the fuck do you feel? Like you probably feel so much worse and you're- That's right. That's right. If you're at someone's like awake for someone and that's their family, their family's exhausted. Their family is so tired. Their family is, you know, horribly upset. And they're here anyways, meeting everyone, organizing it, shaking hands, talking to people. Like, please understand that it's an exhausting experience. It's a marathon for them to be doing that. So, you know, the most you can be gentle with someone and just allow them the space to have their feelings, I think, the better off people are. And that way it doesn't put a lot of pressure on you 
to come up with what to say. It's not a lot of pressure on them to respond to you in a happy, cheerful way. You know, if you can be that little breath of emotional relief in a sea of, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you for coming. Yep, we're very sad. Yep, thank you. And when you come in and say, my God, like, I'm so, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm so sad. Like, I'm just, I'm exhausted. I hate being here. I hate that I'm doing this. You just want to go home. You know what I mean? And if you can be that person, like it gives them that little bit of reprieve to just feel what they need to feel. And then they can put that mask back on and keep going for the people who, you know, again, everyone means well, not saying that they don't, everyone means well, but definitely it's a lot. (laughs) It's so be a lot. And I, with everyone meaning well, I almost feel like we are a society where I'm trying to think how to say this politely because I'm on camera. Um, I would say we're a society where we look at what people say and we almost try to go to the positive. So the person that says to you, well, for me with my story about my mother, which you guys will get to hear in the future, um, a lot of people say, well, your mother- It's a doozy. Right? (laughs) Your mother did this because of this. Your mother was going through, and it's almost like you negate the pain and the emotion that I felt. And I know they're trying to help by validating that there was mental illness or something was going on. But in that moment, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to hear that the other person was doing something because of this. I just want someone to listen to me and feel the frustration that I'm feeling. Not absolutely. I think of it like when I worked with children with autism, you know, sure, he's got autism, but when he bites me, it hurts. Yeah. It still hurts and I can still be pissed, but I got bitten and I can be mad that now like my skin's broken and I have to go to the hospital. And you know what I mean? I get that he has autism and he didn't mean to, but fuck me, that hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then like when people are like, he didn't mean to. Okay. So yeah. like, I know, but still it happened. Yeah. It happened. Absolutely. That's, I feel for sure the same way. People just want to, you know, no, I know, but like, I, it was probably just, you know, just one of those things that happens. Right. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Thank you. Definitely happened. One question that I have for you. Um, so for me, going through life, because I've had things happen at different parts of my life in different stages, I sometimes slip into this. Uh, I'm going to say rut, but that's not even the right word. I just constantly wait for the other foot to drop. So things will be better. Um, I've got a baby now. I've got this business that I love. I've got like all these great things. And I'm just, I can't enjoy it because I'm like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen to my child or my marriage or whatever. And like, even though I believe in manifestation and bringing things into light. So there's almost like this big conflict. It's like a battle in my own head where I'm terrified of thinking these things, but the thoughts are there at the same time. And I'm just like, it's literally like a tornado and I can't avoid it. Eventually I do get out of that rut and I snap out of it and all is sunshine and rainbows. But do you ever feel that way? (laughs) Constantly, constantly. (laughs) Constantly, I'm just like, oh man, I don't expect good shit anymore. No, 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 I don't. I'm just like, and that's, so I feel like I made lately after I ended my relationship and I was like, you know what? 
I went through a lot of stress about that because I, you, I mean, you heard all the fun, <laughs> all the phone calls, me coming over and being like, Kim, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing here. I need to talk it out. I need to, you know, figure out what I'm doing. I think I did that for like, what, six, eight months yep. of like, I don't know what I'm doing, help. And, you know, I eventually just made the call. And of course, being me, being me, just decided, you know, I'm going to do it on the day, on the anniversary of my dad's death, because today can't get any worse. So why not? <laughs> why not, right? <laughs> just clump them together. If I'm going to be sad anyways, might as well just go all the way down. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know why the way I am sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I really, really was scared that, you know, going out on my own here again, I've had another kind of setback. You know what I mean? I've had another thing that I would consider obviously not a happy thing. Now we've got this home that we have to sell, you know, I'm missing, you know, our, you know, our relationship sort of thing. Did I make the right decision? I'm 32. I'm starting dating all over again. And, you know, the whole time I'm just like, here was the other shoe. You know what I mean? Like here it finally dropped, you know, I was thinking that, you know, after my dad, things were going to settle down and nope, here again, I've, you know, something else has kind of come along that I'm not happy. I'm not able to settle into my relationship and picture my future with him or anything like that. And I think I kind of just got to the point being on my own of just deciding there's always going to be other shoes. You know what I mean? Like at this point, <laughs> there's been so many, they're not shoes anymore. They're fucking boots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> those last two were boots those were steel-toed boots that came down on me but uh yeah it's you definitely are in anticipation all the time and it's a little bit tiring also as well being like well what's gonna happen and anxiety provoking oh my god the anxiety you feel about it because the second you're happy you're like why am I happy I should not be happy, but that's not a good thing to be happy is dangerous because when you're happy, then it gets taken away from you. But if you're not happy all the time, then it doesn't matter if shit comes along, you can handle it because you're already like not happy anyways. Yeah. So it's been a real process for me. I am dating again and you know, I'm with a guy I really, really like right now. I feel a little bit of that like high school romance which is great yeah and uh it is nerve inducing for sure you know like him and I have had some conversations where I'm just like okay but like what if and I used to have panic attacks in my previous relationships um I know I'm skipping around a little bit here but I'm kind of like gathering my thoughts as I go and in my previous relationships I used to have like full out like can't breathe panic attacks. And I would have them for like months at a time because as soon as I really, really liked that person, it would take me like six months to be like, oh shit, like I'm in love with this person. I really like this person. Cause I always held off. I always kind of kept that like wall up for a very long time. So it would take me like six to seven months to be like, okay, I do have feelings for this person. Okay, I really do like this person. I'm gonna let them in. Mm -hmm. And then the panic attacks would start. Oh my God, 
what if they don't like me now that I like them? What if they leave me? You know what I mean? Like, what if, what if, what if, what if that shoe drops and they don't want to be with me anymore? There was this weird way of like, almost like testing them too, being like, okay, if they make it, make it through the panic attacks then I know like they're with me. And it's been so interesting this time around that I, I don't, I don't know what happened, but you know, me, something's changed. I've gone through this big freeing experience where I'm like at 32, I'm dating again. I'm just like, oh, fuck it. Like if they're with me, they're with me. If they're not, they're not, you know, at this point I've lost so much stuff. Just one more, you know, like (laughs) I know I can make it through. I know I come out fine. I know there's guys that want this. So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And it doesn't matter. Like right now, I love this person. I've been with them for three months. I'm head over heels in love with them, which is the fastest, soonest it's ever happened for me. And I'm like, I hear myself saying it. I'm like, oh my God, like you're such like a teenage girl. Like, stop it. (laughs) But I think I'm just kind of going with it. I've reached that point in my life that why not? Why stop myself from just diving in and going for it? I already know the worst that can happen. So you've been through the worst that can happen, right? I already know I come out the other side. Fine. You know, it takes a while, but I'm fine. Yep. So why not just dive in with both feet at this point and go for it, go for it. It takes huge lady balls. And I love that. Con- like I heard it the- a couple of weeks ago, lady balls. It takes huge lady balls to understand <laughs> about yourself and just accept it. And I think I'm very similar to you where it's life and life is waves. And sometimes you're up and sometimes you come down a bit, but just to ride the waves and stop controlling those waves because you can't do it. No matter how much you want to not feel the feels or not go through the journey, is just going to happen. And you just go with it. And one of the stressful things for me um, is not having that synopsis of what my life is going to be. So I think you know this about me. I read the back of books, like the last few pages, or I, I do the same. Yeah. So like watching the same, I want to know what's going to happen and then piece together how I read. Right? Like I when mean, I read, yeah. That's not, that doesn't same. exist in real life. And I'm like, I need that. But at the same time, if I knew everything that was going to come, the good and the bad, I don't know that I would make the same decisions. And I'm like, if I change the bad, I won't have the good. If I had changed things, I would never have the things that I have today. Do you know what I mean? So it's not validating that it was easy or anything like that, but you got to go through it. And you're a prime example of the greatness. It's respecting the process. Exactly. Yeah. We don't have to understand it. For sure. I've definitely had that thought a number of times, you know, why is this happening? Why me? I hate that this is my life. Mm-hmm. And then now here I am today, like sitting here happy and thriving, you know what I mean? And I wouldn't, mm, I wouldn't have had the experiences I've had if I didn't go through those things. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I wouldn't be this person that I am today that has, you know, introspection or that is introspective and can support other people you know what I mean because before this I don't know if I was the most supportive person you know five years ago I don't know because I was just like 
living my life and just happy to be here and you know what's going on with me 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 and you know I still am that way to a degree that's just who I am (laughs) (laughs) who isn't and but I can say now that I think I'm more supportive for my friends you know because they know I've been through bad stuff so I think people feel comfortable coming to talk to me about it they're not burdening someone who they know will have no concept yes of what's happening they know that I'm not going to be judging them why would I you know and I also feel that I owe my friends quite a bit and I don't keep like a ledger or anything like that in my head but for me I'm really happy because I used to go to my friends houses and literally lie on the floor my one friend Heather I love her to pieces I would go over to her house and lie on her floor and she'd bring me over a glass of wine and she'd sit on the floor next to me and she'd say, I'm in the kitchen when you feel ready to just come on in, come on in, just take your time. And I would literally just like lie on the floor and be like, Heather, everything sucks. I hate my life. I hate this. And my friends gave me the space. They made me dinners because I would stop eating. They gave me wine to make me, you know, at least have a little bit of a smile for a while. They gave me an ear. They offered their places for me to stay at. My friends got me through. My friends, my family got me through everything. Mm -hmm. And I felt guilty going through everything with my dad because here I was again, relying on my friends you know, in that same way of, I need to just fall apart and I need you to kind of pick me up and put me back together, even if it's temporary. And I try to space, try to space out, you know, if I bothered one friend this week, I try not to bother them the next week. But it's so good because now I'm texting my friends and being like, hey, I've made dinner, come on over. And I give them the glass of wine and I let them just vent it out. And I'm so happy that I can be in a good place now that I can give that back to my friends and I'm I think that shows for me that's my real marker marker of success that I can say wow I've really come out the other side and I'm really getting my footing now because I'm able to give back to other people I love that like I'm cheering a whole bunch (laughs) I'm tearing up because it's almost like you come like not full circle. I won't use that analogy, but like you're putting that spin on it to make it positive, but also recognizing how much effort that your friends did put into you. Cause it is a lot of effort and energy to help somebody through that. For sure. But for sure. it takes energy. And they did it for four years. Yeah. They did it for four years. Like you've been there for four years. You've been one of those people taping me back up. And it's sending me on my way to be like, all right, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> me, that's what friendship is. And it, you're right. It's not keeping track of that stuff because I don't care. It's, but it's being there and just in the real moments. I don't want to be there during your Facebook moments. No offense. Like I like being in your pictures, but I would rather be in those moments when you are on the floor, ugly, snot crying. And in that moment, that's when I want to be there. Cause it's real. Yeah. Like, oh. I love talking to you. Honestly, I do. And I always feel like just a little bit, I don't know, lighter in a weird way, but validated. And like, a lot of people need validation. Good, good. It's been interesting because now that I'm in school, one of the courses I'm taking 
thinking is active listening mm -hmm. and uh, learning how to active listen. And I definitely realized I had a couple, you know, little bad habits of my own that I needed to fix. And you helped me with um, one of my assignments for that course. So thank you again. Awesome. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, I like it because I think it has helped me to be a better listener. So even when my friend was over the other night and we were, you know, several glasses of wine in mm -hmm. and I was, you know, definitely, definitely feeling the wine at that point. I still was using the active listening techniques that I've learned and I could see that she did feel better, you know, by the end of it. And that was really nice. But I was like, ah, yes, these are good tips, good tips yeah. to take with me. So I think that's going to also be beneficial for me going forward. And hopefully I can share, you know, again, with my friends, um, who I'm so grateful to. Definitely. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. Um, love hearing your story. I am excited, honestly, to see where your life goes. Obviously, I'll be there, whether it goes this way or goes that way, whether any more boots come flying at you. I hope <laughs> all shoes. shoes are far better than boots, but that's life. And yes, we're all about. And I hope anyone listening to this, um, if they have any questions for you, obviously, they'll reach out to me and I will pass the questions on to you. But just know you're not alone and we all got boots flying at us and it's how we cope and how we react to them dodging like a ninja <laughs> that's right that's right love it bye for now